The Rick Jensen Show. 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL, and WDEL.com. Throughout the past year and the last few months, we've talked a lot about kids getting back into school. The fact that it looks like about 60% of students in the state of Delaware, all around the state of Delaware, um, are failing reading. You've got some districts wherein they have failure rates of 40 to 50%, whereas normally it was 20, maybe 15%. A lot of teachers want to get back in the classroom. Parents want their kids to get back in the classroom. Superintendents, principals, vice principals, they want to get back in the classroom. This is what they do. And when they hear people saying, well, gosh, maybe we should keep everybody back a year. Well, I just imagine that they can't imagine such a thing. So they are working very, very hard to get the kids back five days a week. And as I understand, the colonial schools certainly is the first one in Newcastle County to give the option of getting kids back in a classroom five days a week. And when I heard that, I was quite stunned. I thought, wow, that's, that, that's amazing. On the phone right now is Colonial School Superintendent, Dr. Jeffrey Menser. May I call you Jeff? Please. Jeff thanks. Fine. Jeff, thanks for being on. So I just want to know, first of all, What's it been like for you as a school superintendent the past year when, you know, your mission in this world is to educate kids and, and, and make sure the vast majority of them actually do very well in school? So, you know, we still, that is still the mission. It just looks and feels very different, and you have to continue to modify and change your targets for various uh, achievement marks and milestones. I think uh, it's still... Very important that students are engaged with teachers, uh, interacting with our employees, whether they're bus drivers and nutrition workers delivering food to the community or kids coming into the classroom uh, and interacting with their with their teachers and other staff. I, I think that the mission hasn't changed, but it definitely looks different than it's ever had before for anybody in public education. So throughout the past year, we've had this virtual education experiment. Um, I'd like to start off before we get into more about what brought you to five days a week and, and what your hopes are. I'd like to start off really with, with thanking the teachers. I know you didn't expect this, but I, I've heard of teachers and people have told me of teachers who have gone way beyond what's expected. They've gone to students' houses where they're, they're failing a course and they have materials there and they're right there on the other side of the storm door, the glass door. And with a mask on and trying to help the kid that way, I'm at. I'll bet that's that's the kind of thing that has happened in colonial schools too. And I just wanted to to get your read on that. You know, it's it's an it's impressive the commitment that educators in colonial, but and I know across the state as you described, it's happening everywhere. That teachers are and staff in the buildings are all in for the children. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what they need or what they are trying to uh, help them with you know to your your point I'm, I'm i'm reminded of a story that a a youngster and their family opted to come back face to face in the fall and then uh, they came they were in for those few days that we were in face to face in the fall and then we went to the virtual over spring break or over winter break in order to uh, take a pause and this family decided they didn't want to come back face-to-face because they were concerned for their health and well-being of their child and those in their home. 
And but they knew that the virtual setting wasn't ideal for that child. And it was really they were just having a hard time keeping the child focused and, and attentive. And the teacher for that child said, well, what can we do to help? And they ended up bringing a student desk to the home so hmm. the child could actually sit in a student desk hmm. so that that would feel like they were school. And it helped them stay focused, it like kind of corralled them back to that sense of normalcy. And this is just one example of countless different ways that teachers really are going above and beyond and, and counselors and the therapists. And, and it cuts across all divisions from transportation to nutrition and, and custodial too, because you hear these and it's hard to believe, but it's impressive. So when you were doing hybrid, was it like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays for cleaning, Thursday, Friday, they're in the class two days a week, different uh, cohorts we, like that? We, we, we never had a hybrid model in that way in Colonial. We were five days, full five days a week, pre-K through eight uh, for the 40% of our families who opted for face-to-face instruction from the beginning. From so the we've beginning, never, we've not been in a hybrid. We were in we're in a hybrid now at the high school, but not at the pre K through eight. And that was that's been going on for the last year. Then that was a year ago. You decided to do that. We made that decision back in uh, July of last year that that was the approach we wanted to take because the the percentage of families who wanted face to face instruction was forty percent, and we could capacity wise in our buildings meeting six feet, staffing wise, transportation wise. We could pull that off. So it took us, you know, we, we had some time at the beginning of the school year to kind of really get the protocols in place, uh, get our staff prepared. And then we kind of, we jumped right in feet first, right before Thanksgiving, or right around that time. And, and we, we, got, uh, we got four days into the pre-K uh, special programs. And then we brought our elementary students uh, back and we started to have a we started to meet some challenges with the number of cases that were coming in from the community. So we had to we took advantage of the pause that the governor gave us to regroup and come back after a Christmas a holiday break in the winter to uh, come uh, five full days a week for pre-K through eight, including our special program schools. So that tough time was from uh, December, like mid-December until when in January. Yeah, we just came back after the we had a week. Uh, prior, everybody was virtual prior to coming back in January, and then uh, somewhere around January fifth, we we came in. Uh, we started to phase it in pre K special programs, and then we did our our elementary schools, and then we brought our middle school, our high school back, and then our middle school back. So once the end of January, beginning of February rolled around, we were uh, operating exactly where we wanted to be back in November. So. Were you the only school throughout this time to have five days a week for pre-K through eight? Uh, I don't, I, I don't know for a fact, but I do believe that some of the districts downstate, uh, I believe Cape Henlopen uh, was doing a five day a week model. I'm not sure what theirs looked like, if it was full days or if it was all the way through middle school. Uh, I just know that in our situation, our families were asking for the five, uh, full days. They felt that that would meet their needs and the needs of their child. And again, we were, it took a lot of work on a lot of different employee groups from teachers to custodians, to secretaries, to administrators, uh, to, you know, you name it, everybody kind of wrapping their heads around what that was going to look like and how we could make it happen. Given the guidance that we received from the CDC, DPH, 
and the state of Delaware and the Department of Ed. You superintendents talk to each other a lot. What were you hearing from other superintendents in other districts in Newcastle County who were not doing five days a week? They, they were meeting the, they were meeting the needs of their students. It just their families. It looked different. They were they were having their same struggles only in a hybrid model. I mean, each model has its own struggles uh, in terms of management of uh, cases that might occur in a community or transportation issues or scheduling issues or technology issues. Everyone, every any model you pick, you were faced with a challenge. Just sometimes they they weren't the same depending on the approach uh, that the, the districts took. So it, it was definitely ongoing conversations of what struggles and what are you doing to address it and just kind of a constant sharing and conversation. I've talked to a lot of parents and other folks, some teachers at private schools, parochial schools. They have not had the problems of uh, super spreading outbreaks, things like that. They've had a few cases here and there where an adult uh, brought in the COVID-19 from outside but they've been functioning throughout the entire school year as well. Has your experience been about the same as that? Um, you know, we've had a few situations where uh, a close contact uh, and a quarantining situation has, or a positive case has brought about the need to uh, have a classroom go virtual for five days. Um, we haven't had... Um, since, the, since we started, we haven't had a whole school that had to be uh, put remotely. Uh, so it's, but it is an ongoing uh, challenge to monitor and navigate uh, the positive cases that occur in the community and uh, make sure that the folks are quarantining and then they're cleared to come back and determining who's a close contact of a positive case after they've been identified. Uh, we have a group of employees, our, our nurses, I tell you, you, know, you want to thank a group of people that are out there working to keep students in schools and keep staff safe and students safe. It's the school nurses. Um, they are they are taking on a yeoman's uh, task with contact tracing and uh, working with the principals and the families to navigate this. Uh, and so we've relied heavily on their guidance and expertise. Well, it's a smart leader who listens to the experts and says, okay, what do we do now? And because you're not a professional pandemic manager, so, you know, and, and, no, it and wasn't, that wasn't a class in any of my programs. No, no, not, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, so we've seen in, in what I call this literal failure of the virtual education experiment all around Delaware. Sadly, we're seeing in some districts, 40%, 50% failure rates. We're seeing, like I said before, about a 60% failure rate in reading uh, amongst kids throughout the state, depending upon the grades and, as well. What has been the experience of the Colonial School District, pre-K through 8, when you compare um, the success and, and passing rates in 2020 to, say, 2019 or, or 2018? So it, right now it's, it's too early to say uh, with the impact that it may have had on uh, our, K eight, our, our kindergarten through fifth grade students because uh, there's a lot of complexity with, in terms of measuring students' progress and growth um, in that we, we, um, when we started last summer in June, the first thing we knew we were going to have to do is has a, have a really dynamic and robust virtual program. Although the goal last June was we were going to be face-to-face -face everybody in, at the end of August, we knew that no matter what, we needed to have a dynamic 
virtual program. And that was going to look radically different than a face-to-face -face curriculum. So to compare where students are now versus where they were last year uh, is kind of a, a dicey uh, calculation. And it's still we're still working through it. Um, same thing happened with the high school. Last year, we had um, eight, a high school student took eight courses through the course of the year and, uh, you know, had eight final grades at the end of the year. That would have been... Have maintaining that schedule this year and the potential for a virtual setting was would have been grueling. So we changed the schedule to uh, a semester. So they took four courses and they're done, and now they're taking four courses and they'll be done. So looking at failure rates for courses is difficult. So we've kind of looked at the percentage of students passing now versus the percent that were passing last year at this time. And we do see that our percent passing is lower by by anywhere between 10 and 12% in ELA and math at the high school level. Like that's the one statistic that I know we're looking at and our, our high school uh, teachers and, and support staff are, are mindful of, especially with the high school and graduation. Well, compared to, uh, to the state, that actually sadly looks like it's very, very, you're the most competitive uh, or could be uh, when I'm looking at well, some of know, these. I'm just, say, I'm just saying it differently. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just saying, what, what, I'm what about... saying 60% passing versus I'm not saying how many percent are right. failing. I think that's a, another way to talk about this is, you know, we don't want students to think that they're, they're, they're doomed because of what the, this rate of failure or whatever the, the, the virtual model might not be working. We still have time to help students recover any learning that they may need to get at certain benchmarks. And the recovery from this is not going to be like an overnight fix. There's a lot of time and thoughts going to go into assessing curriculum, modifying curriculum, and, and giving students greater opportunities uh, that we might not have done before. So I, it's all in the way, you know, you really look at it. It has changed definitely the way instruction and learning looks. No, I know, I know. You've just you just taught something. You just mentioned something that sounds like a modification of the four by four education model, which has been tried in other places, as opposed to you know the eight by five. And and yep. that's what you did. You went to a four by well four by five really model in the uh, in in each semester. Now you mentioned the K through five grades. What about sixth through eighth grades? Do we know how well the kids have been doing uh, in Colonial District overall since you have been? five days a week, whereas uh, the other schools really, at least most of them, have not? Middle school, we still, again, it's a, we did a, when we changed them over from virtual to face-to-face -to -face in January, they got completely brand new schedules. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, like, they, they were virtual, they received first and second marking period grades. Now they're with a brand new set of teachers either face-to-face -face or virtual, depending on where the family landed. So the, the comparison there is not as clean as just saying, oh, there's more kids failing math now than there were before. It, it, it's not as easy to compare, and, I, and I, I'm not one to want to, to create uh, panic or... No, 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 I'm just trying to get an understanding. Well. And, and the fact that you say, listen, we've got a new set of teachers here, and you can't really compare that well, very well, I, I think that people need to know that. We're grown-ups, and, and we want to know, but we're also worried and very concerned about you know our children and our nieces and nephews and grandchildren. Overall, mm -hmm. how do you feel uh, about the decisions you made? Regarding uh, going full-time, you know, five days a week, you had 40% of the parents said, I'm all in, let's get the kids in face-to-face, -face. as as opposed, I don't, I don't want to put you, I'm not going to pitch you against other 
people who made other decisions. But overall, with with your own decisions, how do you feel about the decisions you made there at, at Colonial? Uh, I feel like the district has made, you know, the decisions that were in the best interest of their students and their families. Um, at the heart of it, our concern was their academic growth and their health and well-being, both students and staff. We've been fortunate that our school board has been 100% behind the efforts that we have put forward to meet the needs of the community. Um, the bet, you know, we get concerns. There's there's issues. You know, there are challenges and problems, and I think when those challenges and problems present themselves, we address them. The fact that, you know, if I'm going to use a bar to say that I think the district made a, a great decision, those challenges and, and issues are far and few between. Um, and now that doesn't mean that everything's going to stay the way it is. Uh, we definitely have families who we feel that are in the virtual space that we need to engage and bring them back into the face-to-face that might not be where they chose. So there's going to be some bumps in the road as we move forward, but I think acknowledging those bumps in the road, tackling them head on, uh, it makes me feel confident that the Colonial School District made the right decision uh, to kind of do the, the plan that they put forward. I really appreciate the conversation. I mean, you're transparent. You're not just quoting bumper stickers. You're actually expressing how you feel about uh, what's going on in the school district. And I can, you, know, you can just tell the guy that, you know, your passion uh, for this and, and how challenging it's been. What would you like people to know? Because, you know, it's the question wherein I don't know the question to the uh, to the statement you really want to make. What do you really want people to know about the staff, the district, right there at Colonial Schools? I think that the staff in the districts and the staff of Colonial School District have worked tirelessly and effortlessly to help support the students and families in Colonial. I think our community has been understanding They've been patient and they've been flexible as we've worked through a challenging time. And I think everybody being mindful and respectful that the goal is ultimately is to provide the best quality education for all the children. And it's going to start looking different and it feels different and it's not what it used to be. That's unsettling. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's unsettling. And so I want to say that, you know, I'm super proud of the Colonial School District and I'm honored to be the superintendent. Uh, I think it's a great group of of, of staff. It's an incredible group of uh, community members and families. Uh, and I, I think we can continue on this path. We're already looking at summer and we're looking ahead to 21-22 school year in the same method that we approached the last school year. Yeah, and I think they can be proud of you because here you are, Dr. Jeffrey Messer, in front of God and everybody on WDEL Live without any any scripts here saying here's what's going on and here's how much we care about the kids and here are the decisions we're making and why. Last question, what do you say to those 60% of parents who say, I don't know if I want the kids in class? You know, it's, it's, it works. And students and staff are carrying out education in the classroom, it's safe. And that's where we find many of those 60% are concerned about their health and well-being of their children and those in their family. Uh, we're doing it now. I encourage them to talk to the families, the 40% that are their neighbors and their friends, ask them how it's going and what it's like. And uh, as we move forward, we, we want it to be 60-40 the other way. At some yeah, point, yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. You know, let, let's give me another, give us another challenge that's going to push us to look at what we're doing and uh, to meet the needs of the students. So I, I say that they, they got to want to get back in face-to-face and, and back to what 
uh, school looks and feels like for the students. I appreciate your time. This platform is always open to you as well. Colonial School Superintendent Dr. Jeffrey Menser. Thanks and uh, and good luck. And, and uh, we'll hear more about the kids and how they're doing as we move forward. All righty? Well, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Rick. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Jeff. We'll be back right after this. Stay tuned. More with Rick Jensen just ahead on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL.